Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. What is up, my friend? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. We are glad you are here as we are wrapping up 2017, coming into 2018. And uh, I hope you've had a great year. I hope you've had a good Thanksgiving a couple weeks ago. You're coming up on Christmas time, all the holidays, all the goodness of that. And uh, yeah, all that to say again. Glad you're here. Appreciate you and thankful for you. Hey, we've got a great guest for you that's going to be uh, sharing some wisdom and insights. A, uh, a speaker agent for a speaker bureau who books hundreds of gigs a year, has a lot of great insights. We're going to get to him in just a second. Before we do... I want to take a quick second and tell you about a brand new software tool that we just introduced. It's called Agent. Now, if you are someone who's going, all right, I know I need to book gigs, and I'm sure that you are that person, and you're just trying to figure out how do I find gigs, how do I know what to reach out to them, how do I know what to say, all of that, we've put together a free software tool that will help you to do this. You can go to myspeakingagent.com. Again, that is myspeakingagent.com. Check it out. Again, it's totally free. You can dig into literally a, a thousand different possible events, actual events who are looking for speakers. So make sure you stop by, check that out. Again, myspeakingagent.com. Again, totally free. You're going to dig it. All right, so let me introduce you to today's guest. Today, we're going to be talking with my buddy, Brandon Edmondson. Brandon works at Premier Speakers Bureau. We've had a couple of their agents here on the on the call before. And uh, also, we had Sean Hanks, who's the president of Premier Speakers Bureau, way back early on in the podcast. You have to go back and listen to that one. But Brandon is someone who's uh, who literally, like I mentioned, books hundreds of gigs each year. We talked through how he actually finds and books engagements, how he stays top of mind with potential clients. We talk about common topics that companies and associations are booking, how speakers can position their material on those topics. We talk about the number one most important marketing asset that speakers need to have. And then also make sure you stick around all the way to the end. He tells a great story about working with a famous late night TV host. Just a great story. He, uh, he told me this over lunch a couple weeks ago, and I'm glad he shared this one here. It's a, just a great story. So make sure, again, you stick around for that. So let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with my buddy, Brandon Edmondson from Premier Speakers Bureau. Enjoy. What's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Hey, today we're hanging out with my buddy, Brandon Edmondson from Premier Speakers Bureau. We actually had his colleague, Ryan Giffen, on uh, episode 154 recently. And so uh, Brandon's here hanging out with us, talking about all things booking speaking engagements. This guy has booked... How many engagements do you think you've booked? Oh, wow. That's a good... Uh, I would say every year, you know, you're in that 100 to 200 range. So, you know, three years, do the math, like closing in on a thousand probably okay. right. and on the speaking side. And then certainly I have a background in music. So, you know, you're getting into the maybe, you know, 
close to 10,000 at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very good, very good. So you've all that to say, you've done this a few times. You've learned a few a things. Few times, you've a booked few a few speakers. You've got some uh, some great stories. We may have to have you share some of those stories later of some of the, uh, mm-hmm. the fun clients that you've worked with. Let's start with this. Why don't you give us a quick snapshot of what you do with Premier, and then we'll kind mm-hmm. of uh, backtrack how you get into that and, and uh, talk through some of the observations that you see in the, the landscape of the of speaking world today. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for having me. And yeah, shout out to Ryan Giffen, you know, kind of, you know, prepared the way for me. So I feel ready to go. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, my day really consists of, you know, we work with our marketing team here, you know, at a bureau this size, we're fortunate enough to have a marketing team that works with us to send out our outbound communication via email. Right. And so we strategize there and we're hitting up our database, you know, pretty often we're trying to do that, you know, anywhere between a month and a quarter just hitting them up for outbound. And then from those, you know, we're fielding inbound communications via obviously phone and email. And it's a pretty fluid process in, you know, as an agent, we are fielding the inbound from, you know, the clients and they're coming to us saying, you know, Brandon, I need, you know, five great sales speakers, or I need 10 great speakers that are just inspirational options. I need five women, five men. So we, I really position myself as just trying to be a commodity and an expert in the speaker, the speaker. You're business. a matchmaker. Right, exactly. To say, these are the top 10 sales speakers this year. I know they're great. They all deliver actionable takeaways, that sort of thing. So that's a that pretty consistently what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. And then we send out that proposal and we're getting real-time feedback and honing in on who is really the best option for that particular client based on their needs. Right. Like you mentioned, there's several agents that work there at Premier. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned we've talked with Ryan before. He does more like in the education, university mm-hmm. space. What are some of the, the main industries that you're working in that you're involved in? Yeah. The two biggest industries that keep me the busiest is healthcare. That is a very broad there, despite the ship sinking to some degree, like there's still plenty of companies spending a lot of money in that space, certainly in the pharmaceutical, certainly when you get into large healthcare tech, uh, there's a lot of investment coming, a lot of government funding and kind of the merging of healthcare and government. So that's creating opportunities for speakers to own that space that keeps me very busy and understanding who those speakers are. And then I also handle all of the Nashville business. So it's, you know, it's very market specific, all the companies in Nashville. And then uh, the, the second tier of that is all companies coming to Nashville for an event. So Nashville, it's a knit town right now. It is, you know, every night of the week, you can go downtown Nashville and the association of card manufacturers or quilt embroiderers are having there, you know, on the smallest end. And they're still, you know, yeah. 20 to hundred people, then they're booking speakers. So yeah. those are the two sectors that certainly keep me the busiest on day to day. Gotcha. And so on a day to day basis for you, what is, it sounds like you're kind of a mix of reaching out to new potential clients, reaching out to old clients who are looking for a speaker for their, their next year, or they just finished a, a gig, or it sounds like you're just doing a lot of, of kind of connecting the dots and figuring out what potential opportunities exists and figuring out what kind of speakers that they may be in need of. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, the questions do vary. You'll get some random ones like, Hey, we need someone that I found one yesterday, someone who was discovered in Nashville. And it was like, wow. Okay. So I had to really kind of, you know, dig deep to find a couple options kind of born and raised here. And then we're actually discovered here. So you get some random questions, but at the end of the day, they're pretty much going to be pretty similar. And, you know, we want, actionable takeaways like that is, you know, when it comes to speakers, like having, in my opinion, three bullet points that are actionable takeaways and that event planner or CEO or market, you know, uh, marketing person is booking. 
they're going to say, well, what are the three things that my people will do tomorrow with your content? And no matter, even if you're an illusionist or, you know, you still, those actionable takeaways are so, so important, you know, in this space because they're investing the money and they want to know that there will actually be some change and it can make them cry. It can, it can inspire them. It can make them laugh. All of that is a part of it. But at the end of the day, those companies, you know, laying down the hard, hard dollars, they want those takeaways. So that's something that I'm always trying to encourage speakers to do. And then I'm making the suggestions to the client based on the speakers that I know have actionable takeaways. Well, I think that that's a good point that the speakers hear that there's a lot of speakers that even I talk to who'd say, hey, I just, I want to be a motivational speaker or I want to be an inspirational speaker or I want to be an illusionist or I want to, I just have a really cool story, man. I, I you know, I yeah. cancer and now I don't have cancer and I just want to tell my story, but mm-hmm. always just going back to like, yeah, 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 that's, I mean, that's all well and good and not to take anything away from it. But at the end of the day, it has to impact the audience in some way and there has to be something that they do with that. So that's right. for a speaker who's like, who would say, Hey, I have a cool story and I just want to share that with people and just hope that magically it motivates them or inspires them to do something. What could be like, where do they find what the takeaways could be for the audience? So it, it becomes less about this cool story and more about how it impacts the audience. Right. I think the good speakers take their story that is inspirational and hopefully makes them laugh and cry. And they're weaving amazing stories in that. And then they're taking out the bullet points probably of their own experience and they have to really kind of psychoanalyze their own story and their self to say, okay, when I was dealing with cancer or when I was in the black cock down plane crash or right. whatever it is, you know, what are the three things or four or whatever that, that helped me overcome? And then how can I take what I learned, what I did, how I overcome that and help other people do the same? And there's going to be a connection with that. So I think, it, yeah, you just have to draw on, take, you know, your internal process what you did, what you went through, and then how can that relate quite simply to three bullet points that people will come and say, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Like I can do that. If he can do it, I can do it too. And, and here's how he accomplished that. So you work with a wide range of speakers. Do you find that that speakers need to have some type of crazy story like that? That I was a part of Black Hawk Down. I had run, you know, a marathon on every continent or, you know, what are the things that you feel like, does a speaker need to have that type of thing? Because I, I look at for myself personally, like I'm a normal white male from the Midwest who's had a pretty normal average life. So on paper, there's nothing that would qualify me to be a speaker in most people's eyes in terms of what what most people think of as a speaker. So like how much of a difference does that make in terms of having some type of crazy life situation or story? Well, yeah, that's a great question. There are so many speakers out there, right? I mean, we tell, there are tens and tens of thousands of speakers. They're, that's just the reality because everyone says, yeah, I'm a motivational speaker. How many times? Do you know? Well, twice, but you know, I am. <laughs> I check the box. So, I'm it. Yeah, that's right. So I don't think you have to. I mean, there are amazing authors out there. A um, couple examples of guys we work with is that, you know, John Acuff, like yeah. this isn't a guy who's had some crazy story. Plane hasn't crashed in the Hudson or he hasn't climbed Everest or uh, he hasn't ran you know, marathons on one leg. It's just, he is a great storyteller. He's comedic and he delivers content to people that they can just relate to. Right. We're all getting up every day. We all have jobs and he's just kind of helping people to navigate what that looks like with some change, with some humor. And he uses his humor. I say it's that it's the sugar that helps the medicine go down. Yeah. And then you got to get up, you got to work hard. You got to be a good employee and make your boss look better. You know, and if you do that, and then, you know, you're going to succeed in whatever it is. So you don't certainly have to, but there are a lot of speakers that, you know, when unfortunate things do happen to them, they kind of have the grit and the wherewithal to say, 
it was really hard. Uh, this is the hardest thing in my life, but I feel my calling is to get out there and to help other people through this process. Right. That's not for everyone, but there are certainly a handful, you know, I don't know, 20, 30, 40% of those speakers out there that something tragic has happened to them, but they want to help other people overcome through those tragedies. Now, one thing I hear from speakers sometimes is that, you know, I, I, either I've had something happen or I haven't, I have this thing that I'm passionate about talking about, right? Maybe it's my life story or maybe it's just, I'm really passionate about, you know, leadership or sales or customer experience or whatever, but they're just going, I'm this, there's this topic that I'm really interested in. How do they go from that to figuring out who they should speak to, especially when it's the type of topic that is, you know, arguably for anybody and everybody, you know, Mm -hmm. if you have some motivational pep talk, it really could appeal to most audiences, but you know, from a sales perspective, you can't try to sell to anybody and everybody. So what advice would you have for a speaker that's going, I got this broad generic topic that I'm passionate about, and I'm just trying to figure out where's the best place to really the best market for me to pursue. Right. Well, I mean, I think what that particular I kind of say a speaker that can speak on everything doesn't really speak on anything, right? So I do think if you have a topic that you are passionate about, you know, I mean, I think you kind of need to look at some metrics to determine, is this something that companies would even pay for, right? Like, am I delivering a good or a service in a keynote or speech that, number one, other people are passionate about too? And if so, then, I mean, you can develop, you know, your your keynote and your speech topics and really focus on kind of one thing, whether that's, you know, I'm working with a guy right now and he's kind of saying, I just want to be the Snapchat, like, you know, professional, like if people say Snapchat and he's kind of, you know, a little bit of Periscope, but I want to own Snapchat. Like if they're doing a breakout and and he understands that he's never going to be a $50,000 keynote, yeah, but if he can go to every single conference and every single event that's doing social media or marketing, he's the Snapchat guy, he's going to try to own that market. So, you know, I think it is, it's finding, you know, what is potentially that niche that you have or something you're passionate about doing some metrics and research, you know, just talking to companies that he probably, every speaker knows a handful of business owners and leaders or CEOs just within their circle of, in their sphere of influence in their, in their neighborhood or wherever to say, is this something that you would ever be interested in? Right. Not that you have to book me, but just, you know, doing some market research. And if so, develop good keynotes, develop good topics, get great video of it. And, you know, with social media uh, right now, I mean, you could throw up Facebook ads for net, next to nothing on some levels and, you know, see if you get any hits on your keynote topics, you know? Mm-hmm. And so the, the that would be some advice just with someone really getting started on one topic. Yeah. Well, I think you bring, bring up a good point there too, that just because there's a topic that you're interested in or you're passionate about doesn't right. necessarily mean that mm-hmm. clients are interested in that or clients want to hire that. And so you right. may be the world's foremost expert on <laughs> just, I don't know, some random arbitrary top, you know, underwater sure. basket weaving, but it mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that there's organizations right. and groups or enough organizations and groups that are willing to pay for a speaker to talk about right. that. So how do you find the balance of... Uh, one thing I hear from speakers is, well, tell me then what are the most common topics? What are the most popular topics? And I'll just figure out how to fit my thing into that. What sure. Are, uh, so two questions. One, what do you find to be some of the more common popular topics that you're regularly booking for? But mm-hmm. two, what would you say then for a speaker who's going, well, I'm just going to take my, you know, my thing that I want to speak on and here's the things that are popular and I'm just going to make it work. Um, right. What, what right. advice would you have on on that? Right. Yeah. I mean, the most popular topics I get, they're, they are pretty generic, right? So there's certainly, you understand why the speakers try to be as broad and as general on some levels, because, you know, the popular topics, you know, 
sales is certainly one. And then you just have your generic motivational inspirational you know if a large conference they're going to book four or five speakers potentially so we're going to have a couple guys that are industry professionals that are going to really hit on that but then we just want someone to kind of lighten the mood you know so that's where you get your cancer survivors your amazing stories of overcoming adversity is kind of one lane and then change change and innovation will always be a topic right like the world's always changing. The world's always progressing and we're advancing in technology. So the futurists, the change people, uh, I'm getting a huge influx on blockchain, you know, which is you know, online digital transactions. So we're kind of identifying a couple blockchain speakers that are great and that is starting to become a topic. And so that's certainly a part of change. So, you know, between change, motivation, inspiration, and then just, you know, sales are kind of three really broad topics that we get. And then, you know, if you have a topic, you know, one example would be, you know, let's say, well, uh, Kenny Thomas, who is a speaker of ours, who was in the Black Hawk Down crash, and he's still speaking, which is pretty amazing because he's a really good speaker. But that event happened so long ago. But he did a bit, of, a little bit of a pivot on some in that safety is a huge topic, right? So you as a speaker and we as a bureau just did some research on the, you know, the association. Like I said, there's an association for everything. What associations need a speaker on safety, right? You know, probably your, your farmers and your mechanical and your engineers and all of those associations that are dealing with any type of machinery where safety is an issue. We kind of piggybacked. Kenny's story with some just safety topics. So you can take the topics that you have that you feel that you're good at, you're passionate about, and man, in the association business alone, you can do some research. What types of associations might need to hear the topic that I have and then start to you know make some calls, do some marketing, try to insert yourself into those conversations with some of those associations because they're all meeting multiple times a year, whether they're small or big, and they're typically bringing in some type of a keynote or communicator that's outside of that association to bring a different perspective. So, you know, that would be, you know, a piece of advice that, that to, to hit on for when it comes to, if you have something, where do I even take that? You right. Know? Right. Let's talk about from a marketing perspective. So let's say we we're talking a little bit beforehand, like right now, this year has been a really solid year for you guys, mm-hmm. but in the nature of speaking, it can be very cyclical. You have huge months, you have dead months. So when you're having a dead month and things aren't, you just, there's not a lot happening. What are you mm-hmm. doing like in, a, in the bureau world to yeah. regularly book gigs? And I think, again, this is kind of a sure. misconception that, you know, the, the, the busiest speakers, the best speakers that they, um, you know, they just do a few speaking gigs and, and the phone just keeps ringing for them. You know, they don't have to yeah. really do it. And yes, that is true with some speakers, but the majority of speakers, and same with you, the majority of of bureaus and agents, they have to continually be knocking on doors, uh, Mm -hmm. proverbially, you know, they have to continually take action. So what are some of the internal things, but also outbound things that you guys are doing to continually generate business? Absolutely. Well, we certainly have a new emphasis on outbound communication, typically just via email, you know, just that those touching base and, and not using the language touching base because, you know, it's kind of cheesy and it actually doesn't work. But internally, we call it, we're going to touch base. We're going to send out communication to where we're top of mind. They know that we're there because the reality is most of the people booking speakers for events, they do not do that full time. That is not their full time job. They have, they wear a ton of hats and booking speakers is one that usually kind of gets put to the bottom of that pile until the day that they're ready to book a speaker. And when they do put wearing that hat today, okay, it's Tuesday. I have got to book the speaker today. I want to be the guy that they pick up the phone and call or they email. 
because we're staying top of mind with our online and digital communication and and outbound calls. Like I'm big on outbound calls as an agent because again, I would rather them say, hey man, I totally appreciate your follow-up, which is more often than not. They'll say, man, I, I totally appreciate your follow-up. I'm not going to be ready to book this for two more months. Give me a call in two months. And that's fine. That's totally fine. I can do that. But I believe that the more consistent and the more kind of outbound focused you are with them without being annoying. And if, you know, if, if they're telling you, yeah, man, I'm not good, then, you know, obviously dial it back, but they don't mind. They typically do not mind. They appreciate the follow-up. It keeps it top of mind for them. And, you know, there is the reality of you can use a little bit of that, the negative sales say, you know what, speaker calendars are filling up. Right. And, you know, if you're a speaker, you know, emergency. hey, yeah, that's right. A sense of urgency and you can do it gently, but that is also the reality. I mean, there are so many times where they've got a list of five speakers in my world and they come back, okay, we are ready to book speaker A. Oh, well, you know, speaker A actually got booked like last week. He's no longer available on that date. So you do have a, you know, a legitimate inventory of 365. But yeah. then you take out, you know, your weekend, you take out your holiday. So that that goes to what? Really a hundred probably. Yeah. You know, summer's light. So you got a hundred days of inventory that you need to fill. And you can use that sense of urgency to, you know, just to be outbound and top of mind. Right, right. You said a couple of things there I want to touch on. You, you mentioned the importance of just staying top of mind. You're exactly right that uh, oftentimes you don't need a speaker except one day a year you're thinking about it. One day a year you're working on it. It's kind of like um, I always like to make the analogy of like... Um, needing your driveway shoveled from snow. You know, you and I live here in Nashville. We live a couple miles apart. And, and like, there may be one time of year that you actually need this service provided. So if someone's Absolutely. regularly staying top of mind with you, mm -hmm. when that day comes, then most likely you're going to think of them. Now, again, you don't need it except for that one day. And so right. they may be, it may be on the radar, but it's not something that, like an urgent need except for that one time. So you mentioned saying top of mind, you mentioned sending emails on, on a, you know, a monthly or quarterly basis. What do mm -hmm. you, how do you find that balance then between, I want to stay top of mind and I don't want to be annoying. So right. how do you find that balance? For sure. I mean, it, from from an outbound perspective, I think for an email perspective, I mean, I think it's they're just different thoughts, right? Like our thought is we're going to try to do it, you know, at this point, really once a quarter, four times a year when, that it's more broad. It's not as action action based, right? Like, hey, here's five great keynotes that are five great speakers that, you know, we're, we're interested in. Take a look. Let me know if we can be of service, that sort of a thing. And then there are much more specific. So yeah, I mean, to me, I think you just kind of have to have a general rule that you're going to stick by based on, you know, doing your own research. And what do you think, you know, the time of years and months and that sort of thing for us, you know, because, you know, with our database, we're going to hit them up probably around four times a year. Mm -hmm. And then, but there's also going to be a, a lot more personal ones that I'm sending from my database. So I know that they're getting broad stuff four times a year from my marketing team, but I'm also touching base with them. If I haven't heard from a while, you know, maybe even once every three months, right. Just to, you know, kind of check in anything you need from me, that sort of thing. I, or I know we, you know, you booked this speaker with me last year, that sort of a thing. So, you know, they're hearing from me a couple times, a quarter potentially. Right. And, you know, if you really, you dial it back based on what the feedback is. And if I leave a couple, you know, messages, don't hear back, okay, I'm getting the point, right? right. And, you know, and then they'll, typically they'll tell you, hey man, I'm good. But I mean, I can't tell you how many times that I'll send emails and I think, oh, okay, you know, I didn't hear anything back, but then they'll reply to an email 
that I sent like four months ago, yeah. <laughs> which, which I know that it's been sitting in their inbox for four months. Okay. When that day comes, I'm going to email Brandon and then boom, here it comes. Brandon. Okay. Here's what we need. Here's the date. Here's the you know agenda. Who do you got for me? Yeah. So, you know, I think it's just being wise, you know, reading the situation each, you know, you know, if you're a speaker booking yourself, then I think you probably could send a little bit more communication if they're on your email list or, you know, that sort of thing, because you might have very specific things you want to talk to them, to them about in a bureau. It can be a little bit more broad because there's multiple speakers, right? Right, 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 right. One of the other things that you mentioned was the importance of just following up. So for example, you mentioned, let's say you talk with someone who says, Hey, I don't, I don't need a speaker right now. It's not snowing today in two mm-hmm. months. It's going to snow and I'm going to need your, I'm going to need to talk to you. Yeah. How important is it for you in terms of getting the booking to make sure that you follow up to schedule some type of follow up. I'm curious what that system looks like on the back end because the mistake yeah. most speakers make is awesome. Hey, when it snows, just let me know. You got my number, call me yeah. instead of my guess is for you, I know what's made has helped me a ton in getting bookings is if they say, give me a shout in two months, I am making a note and I will be giving them a shout in two months because that's what they yeah. asked me to do. I'm following mm-hmm. up on what they gave me permission to do. So what does that yeah. back end system look like for you guys on the follow up yeah. and how important is that for you for booking gigs? Yeah, absolutely. Like for me as an agent, I think our, our communication and your personality are huge, but the simplest thing that people overlook is your organization. And that is a huge part about being an agent when it comes to the details of organization of your follow-up. We're very fortunate. We have, again, a team here that has built us an amazing CRM that, you know, again, we schedule our calls and all of our notes are in there. But if you don't have that, you can still do it all on an Excel spreadsheet on Google Doc, just as easily. And, you know, it's the name of the company. It's the email, you know, the phone number, the last time you called. And, you know, quite simply, it's asking, you know, my kind of typical pitch is, oh, you know, we've talked about speakers, there's typically going to be, you know, one point person, and they're going to get in a boardroom at some point, they're going to put my proposal up on the, the wall, digitally, and they're all going to look through the speakers that I suggested. And so my question is, when are you guys meeting to connect on this next? And I'm making that no, okay, we're meeting on Thursday, 2pm It's like, cool, would it be cool if I follow up, you know, that Thursday afternoon, or maybe Friday? And, and see how that went. And nine times out of 10, absolutely. Yeah. Give me a call and we'll go through it then. Because what you just don't want is, you know, they get in that room and they're throwing out all these ideas. My suggestions are in there, but one other name comes up that I certainly could have helped them with. I book all the time. They just happen to hit up Google, find someone. And the, the next time I follow up, if I don't know when they're meeting, if I just say, hey, I'll call them in a month, then call them. Oh, we booked, you know, speaker X. I'm like, well, I book speaker X all the time. Like, you know, why did they go to me? It's I didn't follow up in a timely manner. And I didn't follow up because I did not get the information on when they were meeting. So that's the most important thing, like knowing when they're meeting and following up right after that and staying organized in that process. One of the, if not the, you know, kind of most important things in sealing the deal on your gigs. And it's not overly difficult. It's not overly no, complicated. But again, like you mentioned, all. being very, very specific of when is their next action item and, and right. basing your next action item off of that. You have mm-hmm. a board meeting on Thursday at two o'clock. Awesome. Right. Now that dictates and determines when my next action item is to make Absolutely. sure that you have everything you need prior to that. And I can follow up as soon as that's over to mm-hmm. make sure any questions are answered. But the other thing too, and my guess is you found this, I think you kind of alluded to this, is that 
part of what they are hiring with a speaker is not just with the the deliverance of what they are uh, the speaker is bringing to the stage, but also the experience of working with the speaker or the agent or the bureau or whoever. The experience of working with that speaker off the stage. So if a speaker is great on stage, but they're sloppy, they're unorganized, they take days to respond to emails, they don't return mm-hmm. calls. That's not the type of speaker that organizations and companies want to work with. So you being smooth to work with, you set that precedent up front in your mm-hmm. follow up in your communication, and it, it makes it be like, you know what, this this is a great speaker to work with because it makes their life easier. That's right. Yeah. At the end of the day, yeah. I mean, they certainly will want a speaker that is organized that if they do send them an email and have a question, they're going to respond. And if it's simple as, hey, when's your flight and where are we going to meet? Like to, you know, to know, oh yeah, my flight's here. Like those are just the simple things that make their job so much easier and so much less stress involved in what they're doing because it is stressful. And you're probably more often than not one of three or four speakers. So it's not all just about you for that event. Like your job typically is to get in there to, you know, I say serve them well, deliver a product that is good and is quality and that they felt very served and communicated with all along the way. And then at the end of the day, when you're time to deliver the goods, you do deliver the goods and you do do a good job and you all the things that you promise along the way on those conference calls and such, like you, you deliver and you execute on everything that you said that you would do. And so, yeah, I mean, that is certainly the things that, you know, one thing I was going to add, you know, we have a, an amazing speaker here. His name is Phil Jones and he wrote a book called exactly what to say. Mm-hmm. And it's phenomenal. Just the little things that you say and how you say them. If you get that gig and you get booked, you know, after, you know, you do it, the simplest question of like, Hey, you know, how'd everything go? And if it was a rave review and everything went so good, the simplest question is, Hey, can you do me a small favor? And he, he talks about that. There is a perceived debt that they owe you. They just thanked you. It went so well. Can you do me a small favor? The answer is always, yeah, sure. Of course I can. Then that's a perfect time to ask for those. Are there any other, you know, people in your company or outside do you think could you know benefit from, you know, my, my speech, that sort of thing. So great little process on, you know, getting those referrals, you know, most referral business never happens because, you know, the speaker or the, the agent just doesn't ask for it. Right. right? And Phil's a phenomenal speaker. We actually just had him on recently on the podcast. That's a couple, right. A couple That's episodes right. ago. Yeah. So he's a, he's a great dude. One of the things I'm curious about too is whenever you are, uh, let's say that you, you have a, a client that's reaching out to you and they want they want to look at five different speakers. And what you mentioned is kind of that that scenario where they maybe they've got all five up on a screen. They're kind of reviewing all of them. What is it that they typically are looking for? What are the marketing assets and tools that a speaker mm-hmm. needs to make sure that they stand out from the crowd? Yeah. I mean, to me, it still has to be a really, really good video. It just, it, it does. And, you know, I'm seeing an interesting trend in that, you know, we, we know that they, they're not going to watch a 30 minute keynote of mm-hmm. you first go, right. Yep. As they're narrowing it, they're not going to look at, they're not going to look at that. We know that. And there's been a lot of obviously advice that you need a two to three minute, we call it quick hitting fastball video with some graphics and you delivering some the delivering the punchline and the audience laughing, really good editing. But, you know, we're starting to see uh, an interesting trend of more just documentary type style videos of, you know, the speaker just kind of going through their day, you know, to a degree. And, you know, Vin Jang is another speaker of ours. He's an amazing illusionist and delivers just a phenomenal keynote, one of the busiest speakers this year. And his stuff's very just like you know, more documentary style. Like he is going to get up there. So I would just suggest checking him out. But, the certainly the shorter the video, the better. And it has to kind of fit your style with 
probably multiple stages so that it's not you're not in the same outfit on the same stage so they say oh this guy speaks is at least speak more than once oh, yeah. right like that's important right, right. some of the fastballs some graphics you know maybe some testimonials over the top of so-and-so speaker was awesome ceo of google that'd be a nice one that helps. so the video is the one thing that certainly is going to grab the attention and get people the most interested as you're competing with other speakers on a proposal that's the first thing so you've got a demo video how important is website you hear sometimes people talk about you know having a one sheet or some type of pdf thing but i mean a lot of that's going to be on a website what do you what do you yeah. what, are, what thoughts you got there yeah definitely i mean as they're going to that our proposal they get clicked back to our page but yeah if it's a speaker you know a, a solid website that probably just goes into further detail on what the video has already showed them bigger videos maybe a couple more and I think really um, detailed keynote descriptions. And when I'm telling speakers, what is a keynote description? It's probably a sentence or less that is the keynote title that has really good SEO, you know, those type of things. And then a paragraph on what is the keynote? What will they deliver? And then what are some of the bullet points that they're going to hit on in that keynote that are actionable? Because, you know, most speakers are probably going to have two to three different what they would call keynote topics. Mm -hmm. They're going to be pretty similar, but delivering those and having those on the site that the, 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 the end buyer can really go in, they can say, okay, if I want, you know, A, B, or C, what are the differences? Oh, okay. Well, C really works for us. And here's why, because these, these takeaways are just, they're perfect, you know? Right. So, you know, in, in, in the video delivering, taking them to the site that really just kind of uh, seals the deal and really completely shows what the speaker is going to deliver. Cool. I like it. All right. So I want to hear about uh, some crazy story of working with some crazy celebrity or, and not necessarily crazy, but just yeah. uh, some big wig story here. Before we get to that though, let's kind of wrap up with this. I'm just giving you, I'm buying you time to let you chew on it and ponder that. Sure, sure. But I, I want you to uh, to share with us, speaking is very much a relationship business. It's very much a, a momentum business and it's very much a long-term business. So for you, you know, you started in this business three years ago or so from the speaking side with the bureau side of trying to book gigs. At this point, you've built a lot of momentum. But for a speaker who is at that spot in their own career where they're at year one and they're going, I'm just trying to get this momentum. I'm just right. trying to, to build any credibility. I'm just trying to get my name out there. Mm -hmm. And it's super discouraging. And it is a long-term business, a long-term game. And it is a relationship business. And I'm just, I'm feeling discouraged. I'm feeling frustrated. What, like, what would you say mm -hmm. to, to that speaker? Well, that is so typical. And I'm just going to give a story of John Acuff because it's probably the best one that I know. He, he, the overall thing is a very small yes can turn into a huge yes down the road. So, you know, quickly he gets asked to speak at Vanderbilt University, which is a very prestigious university. He's like, yeah, sure, of course I'll do it. Gets there and he says yes. And it is in the Barnes and Noble on campus here in downtown Nashville. There are people studying. And a couple people are so actually frustrated that he is speaking that they get up from their table, they move to the back of the room and look at him as if to say, yeah, I'm moving because you're speaking and you're <laughs> annoying me. So, but as fate would have it, one of the professors of law happened to be there as he was delivering a keynote to two people. And she said, that was amazing. Would you come speak to my law, you know, group? And so sure. So boom, the one thing led to another, the law led to one of the convocations. And then the, at the time, um, Franklin, John Franklin yeah. is the football coach and he invited him to come speak to Vandy's football team after they had just won a bowl game. And he's working on now going up to Penn state to, to speak for them for that football team too. And so it was just that one small yes 
that turned into a huge yes down the road. So I would just say as you're out there and you're developing your chops and you're honing in on you know, what works, I mean, use that time and be encouraged that you're doing probably what you love to do yeah. and learn from it, get video of every single keynote. And for most speakers, it is going to be brutal to get that video, but look at it, watch it, say, hey, you know, when I told that joke, it didn't really land. Why not? And then workshop it the next time and get that video and always be building and just getting better at what you do because those small yeses will turn to big yeses, but use every single one as, 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 as a workshop, as training for yourself. And, you know, those things can, if you're good at what you do, and if you are truly meant to be in this business, those things will go according to the work that you put in and how you develop your craft. And, you know, John Acuff is a great example. Yeah. He looks at every single video. I've seen him speak. Closing it on a hundred times now, I would say, and every single time it's a little bit different because he remembers how ah, that joke wasn't quite as funny. I'm going to tell it this way this time. And, you know, we circle up after every event. We're like, dude, when you turned around that way, physically, the comedy was perfect and never changed that. It's like, boom. And so he's, he's developed a 60 minute talk because he started speaking to two people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. And it's also, I think that's a good point that, especially early on in speaking, you're planting a lot of seeds. And Absolutely. so you have no idea what the what things are going to lead to. You have no idea. I'm always amazed at who's in the audience and what that leads to oftentimes years down the line. I've Absolutely. mentioned recently, I, I just got, I had a client that reached out to me about a possible gig. They saw, okay. they were in the audience seven years ago yeah. at a gig, you know, and they just happened to now be on some committee that was looking for speakers and they happened to, oh. like, you just have no idea. No idea. You mentioned, you know, the, the, how many emails you have sent out that's sitting in someone's inbox. They're planning mm -hmm. on replying and it may yeah. take them four months and you mm -hmm. may think, oh, I haven't heard back from them. That's dead. But you have no idea that the right moment is going to pop up and you, again, you sure. are right place, right time. You continue to plant seeds. You continue to be persistent in that and, yeah. uh, and ultimately what that led to. So, all right, let's wrap up with this. Give us a, give us a story. You got some, some, uh, good yeah. celebrities. Well, like you work with a lot of like speakers, but you also work right. with like a lot of celebrity yeah. big wigs. Yeah. So, uh, give, well, we, give us something interesting. We do. I mean, I do, I'm fortunate enough. I do get to book a lot of big names. I mean, these, you know, massive names, but they're certainly typically is like an assistant always involved, like your Peyton sure. Manning's and very, so yes, you book them. And when you go to the event, you do get to connect and meet with them, which is very cool. But you're not doing a ton of interaction with the in talent, right? right. Except for Jay Leno. He's boy. <laughs> I, I just booked Jay. I've actually had a pretty good year with Jay. And one of the events, it all started. So we booked Jay. The client wanted to do a Jay impersonator during the kind of meet and greet time before Jay got on stage. And I was like, I don't care, you know. And so I sent it to Jay's office. And then out of the blue, Jay Leno just calls me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is Jay Leno. So I pick up my phone. And he's like, Brandon, you know, what, what's the deal? I, like, I don't know this guy doing my, my gig, right? I was like, yeah. I mean, I thought it was weird, too. I, but he, like, said he knows you. He's like, yeah, I mean, I've tolerated him for years. But I don't want some shorter, <laughs> like, fatter, less funnier version of me doing my bit, right? So we, we X-Nade the impersonator for that one. And then I just kind of became his guy for that event. He was calling me on my cell phone. He's like, you're coming to this event, right? I was like, yeah, I'll be there. So, you know, we show up and he's got my cell. So we're just talking because Jay's old school. He does everything old school. He faxes. So he shows up at the event. And this is pretty funny. It's a very, you know, big event. And he's just obsessed with finding a fax machine at this hotel. So I'm like, okay. So we go do like the VIP meet and greet. And then he's like, let's get the fax machine. Come on. So we got basically 30 minutes before he has to be on stage. But he has to fax. And I'm like, what's the deal? I'll do it. He's like, no, I, I got to do it. I got to do it. So we take him down at the Gaylord Texan in, in Dallas, 
We're in like the tiniest break room. So you've got your security guards and all your random people coming into the break room to get their lunches and their soups. And there's Jay Leno at the fax machine, (laughs) faxing papers of a house, a mansion that he just bought in Rhode Island. And of course, he didn't want me to fax it because he was just was buying these papers. So he was talking to his real estate agent. And here comes these security guards to, you know, get their lunch. And there's Jay and Jay is holding court and signing their boxes of soup and taking (laughs) selfies with everybody. So that was just one of those events where you're fortunate enough to book them one, you happen to be there and then you kind of turn into their best friend. And that was a great story. And he, you know, at the end, he ended up making a $10,000 donation to the organization. And, you know, that's on me and Jay, we're buddies now, but I just like, I like to think of the story of the security guard going to get his, you know, meal, he's working the graveyard shift and it's probably halfway into his day, gets down there about 8 p.m. at night, opens up the fridge and next time is Jay Leno, you know, sending a fax. So I was like, it's it's an interesting business on the speaking side. I remember, uh, I remember seeing your picture of that on Instagram a couple weeks ago. <laughs> and yeah. That's a pretty yeah. surreal. I've actually, it I've was. spoke at the Gaylord Texan in Dallas yeah. and uh, it's a it's great, great, it's a great venue, but uh, I, I didn't have anything to fax while I was there. So yeah, well, you didn't buy a mansion in Rhode Island. So eh, there you I, go. I did not, I did not have that. <laughs> I did not get nope. that kind of speaking check to, to go right. that day. Hey, man, well, we appreciate the time. If people want to find out more about you, what you're up to, where, where can we go? Yeah, well, you know, obviously just check us out at premierspeakers.com. And then personally, I'm just at B underscore Edmondson on Twitter if you want any information there. I'll give the same spiel uh, that I gave for a gift that uh, just to preempt for people. Just because Brandon is a an agent at a bureau does not mean you should be hitting him up and be stalking him and trying to, he's, he's got enough on his plate. All right. So, yeah, well, uh, so if you want to build a relationship, the best thing you can do is just follow him on Instagram or Twitter or something and sure. be nice, be polite. Don't just say, Hey, I'm a speaker. You need to book me. Don't. Yeah. Uh, well, I always do what I can. I mean, I, I will say I, I might not be able to book you, but I will be glad in any of those scenarios to give any advice that I can. If it's like, Hey, take a look at my content, take a look at my video. I'm always available for those. I do a lot of those from time to time just to, you know, help because, you know, it's a, as long as the speaking business is going and everyone, you know, is out there with the best content at the end of the day, you know, we all do win yeah. on that because companies know that they can trust speakers. They can trust bureaus to come in and deliver good content. So I'm always there, you know, on, on some of those to just give you the advice that I can. So thanks for having me, Grant. I really appreciate it. Cool. Thanks, brother. Appreciate your time. All right, man. Have a good one. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Brandon Edmondson from Premier Speakers Bureau. Again, like I said, don't hammer him. Don't annoy him. Don't pester him. Hey, dude, I'm a speaker. You should hire me. Like, don't do that, all right? So just uh, take some of the information, the wisdom that he shared here today, and uh, don't don't be annoying. Now, if you are looking for gigs, which I'm assuming you are, instead of hitting up Brandon again, what I need you to do, go to myspeakingagent.com, myspeakingagent.com. I mentioned to you at the beginning of the show, but again, it is a free software tool, an online tool that will help you to identify, find, and contact potential gigs. So again, you can stop by myspeakingagent.com. Check that out. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode, episode 163. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.